Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 25th, 2019, and today we're reading from the big book, um, and we are currently on page 22, the fourth paragraph. Um, we're going to read the fourth uh, paragraph only. And uh, today's readers, so we have, and I apologize if I didn't hear a couple of people check in, but I've, I have Stacy on the 12 steps and Maura on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have uh, Craig F and Katie G and Catherine C. Okay, the share ID, let me give you that for yesterday, um, Wednesday, April 24th for the 7 a.m. meeting. That's 12,817, 12817. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 12,823, 12823. We have our newcomer greeter, Elena A.M., and our host for the second hour is Jen A. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me start off by asking, Stacy, would you be kind enough to read the 12 steps Good morning, Stacy T., recovered compulsive overeater in Cleveland. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thanks, Stacy. Appreciate that. Mora, 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 mora. Hey, Maura, will you read the 12 traditions? I can do that for you, Larry. Thank you. Maura and me recovered in Virginia. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. 
2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Maura. Appreciate that. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we, we continue on in our study of the big book. We are on page 22, um, the fourth paragraph only. Craig's going to read. Um, it starts, we know while the alcohol keeps away. So Craig F., good morning, my friend. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. Um, we know th this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. Well, of course, this paragraph is referring mostly to the to the allergy. They're, you're talking what they could have said, I suppose, that uh, once the allergy is triggered, it, the alcoholic can't stay away. But uh, for a period of time, uh, the alcoholic can stay away. Uh, 
because he's not triggering the allergy. Um, but the obsession is always there, isn't it? That's the other uh, part of the uh, of the equation. So, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about um, some of the, you know, the time. I mean, I could diet when I was younger. I could diet for periods of time. But always the obsession returned, even though I was uh, out of the food and, and uh, out of the uh, triggering the allergy, but the obsession would return, except that many of the diets that I try, especially some of the commercial diets, encouraged us to have uh, certain things, sweet treats, you know, allow yourself to have dessert once a week or wh whatever, and which would trigger the allergy in me and, uh, uh, you know, put me back into white knuckling. And uh, uh, so it, it was a, it was a, terrible balancing act that I was always bound to lose, you know, I, you, I, I couldn't stay off forever. Um, today, of course, I don't have to live like that. Today, uh, I have the, the tools to, uh, uh, the spiritual tools to uh, handle the uh, buildup of emotion that causes the obsession. And uh, and I have the knowledge now to know what my uh, allergic foods are and so that I can stay away from them and I don't have to uh, kid myself and say, well, you could have that just just this one time, just today, because I know uh, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to trigger me to go back to the food. But I think the, the, the more important part of the equation for me today it, it, especially the longer I'm out of the food, is the knowledge that, that I still have to have a, a spiritual way of life. I have to live in acceptance, uh, living, you know, accepting life on God's terms on a daily basis, accepting the people around me and, and, and with their flaws, like I hope they'll accept me with my flaws, but accepting them on, on life's terms so that I, I don't build up uh, resentments, I don't build up fears. Uh, I use the tools of the 10th step or the 11th step uh, to, uh, to handle those, those fears, to handle those resentments, and, uh, and to keep, keep them released. And the tool of the 12th step uh, uh, to uh, uh, keep the program fresh to keep giving it away and to remind, uh, you know, when I remind my, my sponsees that, uh, uh, you know, when I ask, it's easy to see it in someone else. So when they're, when they have a buildup, when you say, have you prayed? Have you done your 10 step? When I remind them, I'm reminding myself and uh, that, that keeps me, uh, keeps me there. And I think I'm about to get called on time. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. I just start coughing and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> A little passive aggressive. All right, I, totally you. passive aggressive. You got it. <laughs> yeah, hey, all right. thanks, thanks, Craig. Okay, so where Craig read was um, from page twenty-two, the fourth paragraph. And if you know, if you haven't shared in the past day or so, and you'd like to share, um, give me your name, and uh, we'll go from there. Who would like to share? Madam, 
And Matt? Lisa B. Lisa? Maureen H. Maureen. Anybody else? Don't be shy. Water is warm and comfortable. Melissa C. Melissa. How about one more or so? Lauren N. And Lauren. Okay, let's go with that. All right, so we have Matt, Lisa, Maureen, Melissa, and Lauren. Hey, Matt, you want to get us started? Thank you, Larry, for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name this is Matt M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. Yeah, I just want, I'm glad a paragraph is really here because it definitely teaches me that I have to keep free of all my alcoholic foods no matter what I'm doing uh, on a day-to-day basis because once I take any alcoholic food, whatever, into my system, my trigger foods, I'm off to the races again because I triggered the physical allergy. Like I have the mental obsession all I want, but once I give into the physical allergy, I'm off to the races. So usually I've heard that if I can keep from eating for 15 to 20 minutes when I'm having cravings, that usually passes for me. I don't want to eat anymore. And that's usually the case for me. Not enough for, not, not enough for, case for everybody. But I'm usually one, one of those people that it will go away eventually if I just uh, do other things, keep, uh, call somebody and program, get out of myself, uh, do some service, you know, keep myself busy. Um, you know, I definitely understand that uh, I need to... I needed to stop doing this whole cycle of the one, two, three steps and the, the five months on, two months off, you know, the kind of thing, the, the rodeo of compulsive overeating, and I had to let that go. It's not easy. Um, it's not easy for me because I'm very stubborn and I'm very egotistical, and as soon as people start telling me what to do, I run the opposite way. I'm a compulsive, I'm very selfish and egotistical and self-centered, so you know, when it's all, if it's not all about me, I don't want to be bothered. So that's why I had to learn how to go against this base nature of mine and go out and help others as well. You know, I'm taking someone through the book right now, and it's it's a wonderful experience. Uh, I'm not their sponsor, but I'm just doing a big book study with them. I'm on equal ground with them. And it's great because the, the notes and everything else that I have taken in the book, it's helping me to see what I've learned and what I'm relearning, and I'm learning new things. So what they tell me and what they get, from the book as well. It's amazing. I'm starting to learn new things because, again, I read this book and I've never gone through the whole book with the sponsor, which I'm doing now, um, the last three chapters, and it's amazing. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and with that, thank you very much. I will pass. Thank you, Matt. Okay, we have Lisa B. followed by Maureen. Lisa B., good morning. Well, good morning, Larry. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And it says the experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm. So I learn from the experience of um, my recovered fellows, you know, that have gone before me and that have experienced this wonderful transformation of um, being happy, joyous, and free as a result of doing the steps in abstinence. And I desperately, desperately wanted that. I wanted to feel free and comfortable in my own skin. So when I came here to this wonderful OA meeting and introduced myself as a newcomer and I started sharing one-on-one with recovered fellows, 
um, I started getting a better understanding of what Dr. Silkworth means in the doctor's opinion about entire abstinence. And I was very afraid of following a food plan because rigidity in the past had led to binges. So I was really afraid that I trusted my guide who did not try and be a nutritionist to me. She had me go to a professional that is familiar with working with compulsive overeaters. And I did get a very structured food plan. And she said to me, you need to follow it exactly like a prescription. Don't make any changes on your own. Share things with the nutritionist and with me. And I started learning about how volume and restricting could trigger me. And I started learning about um, foods that have certain textures, you know, would trigger me. And um, I followed my food plan and I eliminated those things that put me into any kind of obsession. I got really clean and suddenly I could hear. I could hear and focus. I was not aware of how I'd been living in this constant buzzing, you know, just all the time. And suddenly there was silence and I could hear and absorb and accept this program that was laid out before me and it was important that I move quickly why so I could experience because I'm an effect person that's why I compulsively ate and drank I want an effect I need to get an effect from the steps and I found that the most important thing to me is the relationship with my higher power why is that important? Because when food begins to become too sexy, too important to me in any way, suddenly I feel that barrier come down around me and it starts to block me off from my higher power. So that's why I'm so grateful for that spiritual experience because now I know how good it can be and I don't want anything to interrupt that. So I've had to eliminate new things as a recovered person that didn't used to be a problem. They just became way too important. And the most important thing is that valuable relationship with my higher power and working with sponsees because the best way to learn something is to try and share it and help them understand it. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much. Lisa, okay, we have Maureen followed by Melissa. Hey, Maureen. Good morning. Good morning. This is Maureen H., Recovered Compulsive Eater in South Florida. Oh, I feel like Lisa just stole my share uh, because I 100% agree and um, had the experience just yesterday where I started the day with a very strange um, food thought that I hadn't had in a really long time as I walked into work and that stress of my work hit me. And by the end of the day, I had two or three people who had reached out to me who had picked up, and I was able to share my really, you know, firsthand, bottom-of-the-barrel kind of experience about the ways that this disease has burned me and the lies that I tell myself or told myself, rather, about the food, Um, you know, and... um, you know, the biggest message that I got from both of the that conversation for myself is I can't make decisions reliably around the food on my own. I have not an island when it comes to this disease. I need my higher power, and I need people around me, too, to keep me accountable, um, not in a, you know, I need to be minded like a toddler in a sharp object room, but in a, in a, honesty and integrity kind of way because every single time in the past that I made decisions around my food without consulting someone, it was those seemingly unimportant decisions 
that ultimately led me back to a binge, you know, and the roller coaster of what the food has done to me is, is a misery I do not want to go back to. And so I feel really blessed that I could see myself in these other people that I was sharing with and say, you know, hey, this is why I plan my food at night. This is why I call someone if I have to change something. You know, this is why I have to stay objective around my food because it's an act towards food neutrality, which is a promise of this book. And it's, you know, there are lots of promises of this book, and I don't get them just by wanting them. I get them by practicing, you know, what it is to live a life in those promises and with those principles. And my higher power kind of puts the pieces together behind the scenes um, to to get me to a place where I can be food neutral and I can be in my, you know, routine of the food plan that I've surrendered to and be comfortable and abstinent entirely and completely. And I was just thinking of this a couple of days ago. You know, I was crying on this line back in December about how miserable I was in the food and how I just wanted to be, you know, put it down one day. And now I'm months of undebated, entirely abstinent, with my eyes open in a recovered state, and that's a freaking miracle. And so for anybody on the line who is doubting, surrendering with their food plan, don't, because all you're giving up is a bunch of misery. You really are. And I would not trade my best day in the food for my worst day today. And I am going through a lot of stuff with work and life, but I am so grateful for this program, for my abstinence, and for everything that it has given me to get me to a place of peace and serenity with my higher power and the knowledge that no matter what's going on, I'm going to be okay, and it's going to be okay. Um, And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen. Okay, we have Melissa followed by Lauren. My favorite grade school teacher, Melissa, good morning. Hi, Larry. Thank you. Good morning. Um, It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, gosh, my phone is blowing up right now, my other phone. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, so while I keep away from my alcoholic food, I react like other men. And, um, And I've had experience, like so many of us, staying away at times, you know, I I was a great um, cereal dieter. Like I could have periods of dieting, and um, and diets work. You know, like diets are really effective if weight loss is is your goal. You know, what diets don't do is they don't shut the allergy down, and they don't shut the mental obsession down. And so, I kept trying to treat. Um, the wrong problem. You know, I thought my problem was weight and food. And um, and so well, as long as weight and food were my problem, diets worked. And, um, you know, but as soon as I ingested, like, even a small allergic amount, um, I could not control the response, no matter how long I had been dieting for. And, um, and that was, like, baffling you know I have a memory of um being at a Weight Watchers meeting and um 
And that was my favorite diet because um, cause it worked. You know, you could lose weight and feel quite normal. And, you know, I remember being at a meeting and the, and the leader, there was some new cakes, new stuff that they were promoting. And she cut up, you know, little pieces for everybody to sample because it was like zero points. And that sounded great. But, you know, the problem for me is it had my, it had my allergic substance in it. And so, of course, I couldn't hear anything she said the rest of the, the meeting. And, and, of course, I bought multiple boxes of it. And, you know, I ate all, all of what I bought in the car ride on the way home. And, you know, what um, is unpredictable is um, that at times this binge could last that night. You know, um, sometimes it could last the weekend. Um, sometimes it would be a week, you know, and I could get restarted on Monday. Um, but like at the end it grew and it could be months before I could restart. And, you know, um, and at the end, like it was years, my back, my lip binging lasted years. And of course there would be periods where I thought I regained control, you know, and, and this is the thing that, that I don't recover from this response to my allergic substances that that has no cure you know we're not promised that we recover from the allergy um what we do recover from what i have recovered from was that mental obsession that kept convincing me that after a period of time um that it would be safe like i have no doubt that if i eat my allergic substance today uh, the results are unpredictable you know what has been restored is my sanity around those things. I don't want to eat the things that will trigger that response. And um, and I think in actual, for me, the allergy progressed. I think that it's gotten more sensitive and, and it grew into other foods. But what I'm recovered from is the desire to even experiment anymore. I'm not interested. You know, and I love somebody said if at the end of my life I gave up gum and I didn't need to, but, uh, you know, okay, great. Who cares? It was only gum. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, let's stay in New York. Lauren, good morning. Your turn. Good morning, Larry. It's Lauren Ann. I'm sitting here smiling and laughing because I can remember all those diets. I can remember all those times when I would buy multiple goodies that were sold because they had the icon or they they, um, they were a certain number of points, whatever, and I could eat, you know, 12 of them or something. And I would sit there with and finish the desserts and I'd eat them all and they just, and I'd wonder why I wasn't losing weight anymore. Not as if losing weight was the only thing that I had to accomplish. The insanity in my brain was as soon as I would finish the dessert, I'd want more. And it's so incredibly clear to me that I don't necessarily want more anymore. It's wonderful to be 
out of that loop, to be in the to have that insanity lifted just by giving up the allergic substance. If I had known then what I know now, God, I would have turned, I wish I could have, but you know what? I had to get here and I had to be on the journey that I was on. I remember being on Weight Watchers when the points program was just um, offered about 20 years ago. And I remember saving, you know, eating maybe 12 points throughout the day and saving like 12 or 15 points for the end of the day because I had over 150 pounds to lose, so I had a lot of points. And I would have all my goodies in the evening right before bed. And I would, you know, go and have one and then have another and then go back and have more and have more and have more. And I'd still lose weight. And, oh, my God, look, I could be this nuts. And I could eat all this stuff and still lose weight. How incredible. Wow. What a difference today. I don't care that I don't have those items in my diet anymore. I don't care that it's been almost three years since I had anything sweet, well, anything that had sugar in it, put it that way. I've had, I've had fruit, but that's different. Uh, some reason my body doesn't get triggered from fruit, and I'm glad about that. But if I had to give it up, I'd be sad, but I wouldn't care. Because this is so clear. Thank you very much. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lauren. Okay, um, if you just joined us, we're on page 22, and Craig read the fourth paragraph only on 22. So we'd like to hear from anyone who's a mammal, part of the human race. Um, give me your Thanks, first name. Baby. Oh, sorry, Larry. Hey. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Who else? Katie G. from Boston. She's part of the human race. Who else? <laughs> Russ <Hi>. M. <laughs> Russ, you are. <laughs> Thank. Fran M. Was that Sam? Fran M. Fran. Fran. Hey, Fran. Hi. Hi, Fran. Okay, I got you, Leia S. Um, I got Naomi, Katie, Russ, Fran, and Leia S. Was there one more? Nancy L. in Arizona. Nancy L., I knew you were there. Okay, let's start with Naomi, followed by Katie. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Larry. Can you hear me okay, dear? You're coming through great. Great, thank you. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Oh, my gosh. I can say ditto, ditto, ditto to everyone. We're equally positive that once we take any alcoholic whatsoever, excuse me, excuse me, mm-hmm, alcohol, whatever, into a system, something happens both in the body and mental sense. Wow. And it's so funny. These ladies were sharing about the weigh and pay. 
this, this is crazy. I mean, you know, they really could have had a lunacy commission for me. What my friend and I would do, we wouldn't eat dinner. And then we would go and get weighed because you never get weighed after you eat. And then from there, we would go to one of the buffets in the neighborhood because we knew we had all week to work off what we ate. <clears throat> this is crazy, just crazy. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing what I love on this journey of this program and hearing others share. It's like, wow, I did that too. And it's true, I did that. And and it was the points. I mean, they had these things out there called s'mores. It's all sugar, and it's like, but it was a cannibal with the points. It, crazy, crazy, crazy. Thank you, God, it's not that way today. But more importantly, I have a connection with my higher power. I always believed in a higher power, except when it came to the food, because I was the higher power, lowercase. Believe me, lowercase. And I did a great job of eating myself up to 280 pounds. And I'm only 4'11". I can't even say I'm 5 foot anymore. But when I came into this program, and this big book was cracked open for me, and I worked the steps, and I... I fell into the arms of my higher power daily, weekly, minute, minutely. I saw there was a solution. Working the steps, working with others, having a sponsor, following this program as it's laid out in this book. I'm a free woman. I'm not shackled to the refrigerator. I'm not shackled to hoagies or Doritos anymore. I am free. And, you know, someone will say to me, well, tell me a little bit about the program or what you eat. I said, you know, it's easier for me to say what I eat rather than what I gave up. That doesn't matter. My freedom is in these 12 steps. My freedom comes from my fellowship with this with this program, going to meetings. And I am like any other bozo on the bus, and what I love, love, and I've heard in this program, I'm a pickle. I will never be a cucumber, and it's like, that's okay, because I'm free. I don't have these, I don't have the screaming in my brain to eat certain foods. My brain is quiet, because the allergy is down, and the obsession of the mind. So if I get a food thought every once in a while, it's like, nah, I don't think so, because of the 12 steps because of this program, and I'm so thankful. And it's like, yes, I would have loved to have this 20, 30, 40 years ago, but I have it today, and I have a whole life ahead of me yet. Thank you for allowing me to share. Larry, I love you, and I pass. Thanks, Naomi. Okay, we have Katie G followed by Russ M. Good morning, Katie. Hello, Larry. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Boston. You know, thank God we continue to learn in this program. And um, I guess what this is shouting to me is the difference between a diet, a plan of eating, and abstinence. So a couple years ago, a woman on this line brought me through the list of foods, ingredients, and behaviors that I've tried to control. Because sometimes I would have an extra string bean and I would be like, well, that's not a problem, right? But then I find myself in Mexico with my boyfriend 
who's now my husband, but at the time he was my boyfriend, and I was overeating in restaurants. And I texted the dietitian, not the experience of a compulsive overeater. I had texted the dietitian, and she said, from a dietary standpoint, KDG, you can afford those calories. But what was the reality? As the experience of any compulsive overeater can abundantly confirm, for me, me only, I have an allergy to flour, sugar, and quantities. So even if I'm overeating on a quote-unquote abstinent food, which actually doesn't exist, then it's a problem because I got spiritually disconnected. I would be back in the bedroom with the boyfriend and, and, and being out of my mind. Because I, if I'm using food in any way, I make, I'm, I'm bodily and mentally going to change. So for me, you know, it's been about surrendering the foods that were diet foods that I thought were okay. Abstinence is that list of foods, ingredients, and behaviors that activate my phenomenon of craving. Then it gets fed into a plan of eating based on who I am, my exercise, my age, blah, blah, blah. And I break my abstinence by taking back any of those foods. And the problem is I have spent years dieting. So I didn't cognitively understand that for me, any kind, I cannot safely use aspartame. I used to chew gum $400 a month um, because it was a kind of sugar. And then for me too, like lookalikes, I was taking food, quote unquote, abstinent food, and making it into a performance, a Broadway theater performance. And so that I would get a sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by, be, by eating pancakes that are not actually pancakes because they're made, da, 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 da. No, like food is just food, right? And I have found such freedom, you know, and I hear people say, oh, well, you know, I've just been overeating on abstinent food. This is Overeaters Anonymous. If I'm overeating on food, I am not abstinent. And what is that effect? Not my judgment of you, not your judgment of me, but the most important thing in my life, my connection with God. Because if I am making, if food is a giant again, where's God? It's a false God. So thank you, God. I'll just wrap up with this. I can be neutral around the food because the food's just food. It's not entertainment. It's not whatever. It's just food. So I'm going to show up one more day, God willing, with all of you. Pat. Thanks, Katie. Okay, we got Russ followed by friend. Russell. Good morning, brother. Larry, Larry. What's going on, my man? Russ M., recover compulsive reader outside of Philly. So when I read this paragraph, I think, you know, I, really, I think of the man at 30 for myself because when I was wrestling, when I was on a road for that four years, you know, I kept that, that diet tight and I can manage pretty much, you know, I wasn't, wasn't bananas, but after I got hurt and I had to, you know, I had to put that down, it was like, you know, I, I would manipulate anything I could to get that food hit, you know, anything I could, whether it was a diet you know, like other people say, you know, save up my calories or I'd run 12 miles and then binge like crazy. Or, you know, I, I would uh, eat lower carbohydrates with ephedrine, you know, a anything I could do to, to control it. And, you know, I was a different person. My, my, my friends would say, you know, they knew when I was eating, they knew when I was eating, it was like a, like a switch was, was flipped. I was a different guy. And, you know, the best thing that ever could happen to me is that I crashed and burned and, you know, had to get into program and been saved by program because uh, it, it's not like that anymore. You know, I'm, hey, I'm, 
I would say slightly less Akahui crazy, you know, slightly less. I'm, I still have to deal with life, right? So isn't this the greatest thing about this? Is that what I was overeating for, I have something to help me manage life, this this beautiful program, and, you know, by getting closer to God. And uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm Captain Obvious here, but it's true, you know. I, I, I realize that, you know, I, I have emotional issues, I have life issues, I have food issues, and I wouldn't be anywhere if it isn't for this program. For, for God, this program, all you. So, love you guys. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, Russ. Okay, we got Fran followed by Leah. Good morning, Fran. Hi, thank you so much for letting me share. I I never know if I really have <laughs> something to offer, um, but I'm learning my way, and it's selfish, but it helps me to talk about it and share on the meeting because then I get feedback. So I hope that I can be helpful to other people. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater I came in as and then became uh, more of a compulsive undereater and exercise bulimic. And this paragraph talks about how um, as long as we stay away from alcohol or the AA person stays away from alcohol, he reacts much like other men. Um, I don't know. For me, I don't think that was the case because if I just put down the eating behaviors that caused me problems, I still was left with the feelings and reactions that I had toward life that made me become a compulsive overeater to escape such bad feelings. And I'm learning now that if I um, don't engage in my food behaviors, and for me those are a little different, I don't know, maybe other anorexics or people on the line share, but I do eat sugar and flour and they don't really trigger me but I have eating behaviors that I know the minute I wake up in the morning and do X I know it means I don't want to deal with what's going on and I'm learning now um, a lot from a lot of vision people that there are ways to deal with these feelings so when I wake up in the morning like today I had so many things go on yesterday but they're all written down to do a tenth step and I started to do it yesterday and instead of thinking about the behaviors that allow me to escape, and we all have different ones. Uh, Some of us, it's more the allergy, and with others, it's more eating behaviors. I am so eager today to sit down and do that 10th step because I want to get rid of these bad feelings. I want to acknowledge them, and I want to do what the program and the big book says will help me feel better so that I don't resort to these behaviors. And so I'm grateful. Um, When I first came into the rooms 40 years ago, it was a question of putting down certain foods and being with the fellowship, and that helped me a long time. And I'm grateful for it. It changed my life. It allowed me to get married and have a career and have children abstinently, go through two pregnancies abstinently. But I realized over time that certain things were starting to pervert themselves. I didn't binge on sugar and flour, but I did start to get obsessive and do weird things because, you know, the way I reacted to things was just so painful. So now I'm at the stage where I really want to work on those reactions and feel those feelings because I don't want to escape into my weird behaviors because when I'm done with the weird behaviors, just like after a binge or when the scale, the needle on the scale starts to go down, 
what is the end goal? What are you going to do, end up weighing zero pounds? And what's that going to do for you? Or if you go out on a binge, there's going to be a certain point at which you're just going to stop binging, even if it's after months and 50-pound weight gain, and you're still stuck with the rotten feelings. And I want to not have those feelings and learn to live in a way so that I don't need to escape from my skin. And a lot of that is connecting with a higher power through the fellowship or other means and working the program. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for leading this meeting, and I still have a lot to learn. Me too, Fran. I can't speak for anyone else. You're helping me. Okay, uh, that's a little bit of cross talk. Hey, Leah, followed by Nancy. Leah, good morning. Larry, I think hey, it was me. It was San- Sandy S. Unless there's an oh, Leah S. Okay, that that could be. So, if, Leah, if it wasn't you, Sandy, why don't you go ahead? Thanks so much. Oh wait, I'll give Leah a minute. <laughs> Ten seconds. Oh no, Leah, no, you're up. You're up, Sandy. Okay. Okay. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville. This is going to take a lot of courage for me. Um, I was definitely, I am an extreme compulsive overeater, but I was different from most of the compulsive overeaters. I was extreme in that, um, you know, I ate and threw up for um, 10 years, you know, up to... It all depended on when I woke up, not how many times I would throw up. If I, I never missed a day in the 10 years. Um, if I started at 6 in the morning, I could throw up all day and just, you know, go to class, throw up, go to class, eat, throw up. It was like crazy. And I had no incentive to stop since I was a normal weight. But the truth of the matter was I didn't become a compulsive overeater until I was 12 or 13. I was a normal eater for a long time. And after 10 years of very strict weight and measured abstinence, I then was directed with a sponsor to try moderate meals, which I did for about 20 more years and was abstinent. And um, so today, the sugar and flour, I don't have a trigger food. The trigger for me is the first compulsive bite of anything. It could be a string bean. It could be licking a jelly bean. I mean, I don't do that. I'm entirely abstinent, but I was afraid to get on this line and say I have no trigger foods. And uh, it's scary to say that, but I do have the behaviors. And the behavior for me is as deadly as a trigger food is for another person. And the, the trigger for me is a compulsive bite of anything. I really need a higher power. I mean, I became abstinent through a spiritual experience. I maintain abstinence through a spiritual experience. And abstinence is definitely the most important thing in my life. But it's alongside of God. I am not abstinent without God's help. I mean, the two go together for me. And other people have a different type of recovery and a different type of illness. And yes, I am a compulsive overeater. There is nothing more important in my life than my abstinence. I'd rather kill myself than take the first compulsive bite. I know that sounds traumatic, but the death I, ex- the life I experienced, how I lost everything. I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 and the life I have now, the life I have now, the life that I foresee having in the future, one day at a time, it's incredibly wonderful 
Do I feel an inner peace? Do I feel a connection with God that I've never felt before? Yes. Am I needing calamity with serenity? No. I still need calamity with calamity, but I always have the choice of being open to the power, the love, and whatever else it is of a higher power. And there's nothing more important to me than that. And with that, and it's not other people. I mean, that is huge for me. I've made people my higher power my whole life. And that's really difficult to give up. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, unless, unless I'm um, hallucinating, and I may be, Leah S., I, I heard you. You heard me, not, right. You heard me, I right. did. Hi, Leah. You did. Thank you so very much, Larry. Okay, so Leah S. recovered in upstate New York now. Uh, I'm going to read. I'm going to read it in my own sense. Uh, I am equally positive that once I take any alcohol, whatever, into my system, something happens, both in bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for me to stop, for me to stay stopped. So for me, I am a compulsive overeater. And all the holidays have different significant issues about food, food. And every holiday has their own food. And I have learned that, yes, it can be about food, but it also has to be about Leia. And it has to conform to Leia so that Leia doesn't get triggered by the food. And... um the different experiences and emotions that I am experiencing today are nothing less than a miracle. The challenges that I have and that have come into my life and um, uh, as they come up, it is, it is unbelievable the way I, I am experiencing that, you know what, I'm not in this alone. God is there with me. And uh, it's not my issue entirely. And there's such relief instead of in the food. My God, there is such relief about understanding, about relationships, about just living life the way you, the way life was meant to live, and to be, be part of life. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thanks so much, Leah S. Okay, Nancy L., it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. This is Nancy in Arizona. Thank you for your service and meeting this morning. You know, when I, um, I was always a believer. I would believe anything anybody would tell me pretty much, especially when it came to losing weight. And um, I just remember at one time I was going in to get these shots that were going to get me thin. And I go in every day and uh, get on a scale every single day and get these shots. And, you know, one time I got on the scale and then I got off and the nurse said, or whoever she was said, well, there it is. I'm like, there what is? She said, oh, it always happens. What always happens? Well, the weight loss stops or slows way down. Yours is slowing way, way down. And, you know, I walked out of there going, what? Why didn't you tell me this when, when, you know, I started and paying all this money? But anyway, long story short, today I am a believer because when I came into the rooms, 
I thought, I've believed all this other stuff, all these years I've spent so much money and all I'm doing is getting bigger and huger, 100 pounds overweight, you know, believing all this crap. But I came into the room, so I asked God, help me to believe that these people are telling the truth. Help me with my mind so I can get control, you know, and um, I'm so grateful I did. It, it works. This program works. It's a spiritual program. It has nothing to do with how much money I can throw at it. And I'm very, very, very grateful to God and to this uh, 12-step program. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Nancy. We have time for another share. Who would like to do that? Nan Kay. Nan? Yes. Hi, Nan. You're our, you, why don't you take us out here? Good morning. Larry, thanks for letting me share. Um, I just had to share that um, I was put into a situation recently where um, I was out to dinner with a friend and she had ordered an ice cream sundae for me and I didn't realize it. It was my birthday. And she basically shouted at me that I had to eat it. And because it was my birthday, it's okay to have this. It's your birthday. One time is not going to hurt. And I'm so thankful for this program and what I've learned from you all and the things that I've heard on this line and this paragraph in particular, because I know positively that if I had eaten that, that would have started the allergy all over again. And I love this last sentence. It says, the experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. And a friend of mine says, put that into a question. Does my personal experience abundantly confirm this? And yes, it does. And I'm so thankful, even though I had all the reasons going on in my head, okay, this won't hurt. This one, one little bite won't hurt just to get her off your back. But I knew in my heart, because what I've learned in these rooms, and it would set me on a path that I did not want to go down again. So thank you for everyone that has shared and has saved me in another situation. And that's all I have. Thanks. Thanks so much, Nan. Appreciate that. And uh, we'd like to thank everyone um, who has shared and joined us for this meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Uh, the share ID for today, which is April 25th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 12,826. That's 12826. So now um, we are going to uh, close with the reading from the, the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. KDG, would you read that for us? I'd be delighted. Thanks, Larry. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.